0: hey, how good is it that we're going to reshape this venue? I love it so much because this gaff tape you see will be no more and, uh, and, and we are going to make way. We are taking bold steps because we believe in our city and we want to reach our city and what that means is we want Good Life Church to be in every conversation, in every demographic, no matter what, in, in the sporting fields, in the business arena, at universities, in your workplace. We want Good Life Church to be the words that come out of people's lips because we're doing great things. 2 Kings num- uh, chapter 4 we read about a woman, she's a Shunammite woman, she's got great faith and we can learn so much from her and essentially this woman, she sees the man of God which is Elisha come by and she invites him in for a meal and when she does that he comes back and she continues to put meals on for this man. And then she says to her husband, hey, this is a holy man right here who comes into our house for a meal. Let's build a room up above our house. Let's put a bed in it. Let's make it cozy. Let's put a lamp in it and a bedside table so that when he comes through, he's got a place to stay. And so Elijah, Elisha stays in, in his room that she builds. And then he says, hey, he, he calls his, his servant or his assistant Gehazi. And uh, is there anyone here expecting a baby, looking for a baby name? Okay, we found it. We found it. Gehazi it is. Uh, I love that name. (laughs) And he says, hey, go to the Shunammite lady. And because she's been so generous to us, ask her what she wants. In other words, what miracle does she need in her life? Because I'm going to bring a word to her. And she, she comes to him. She stands in the doorway. She says, hey... Uh, we work so hard, we're old, my husband's an old man, we have no son and so he says this time next year you'll be holding your son and uh, I love that, I love that miracle because she's like hey don't say that to me if it's not going to come true but 12 months later so it is, she's holding her son, she gets a miracle, how good is that? And then it says later on that as that son grew up and became a boy, he went out to the field uh, to his father and he said, hey, my head hurts, my head hurts. The dad's like, get him to his mother. He lays on her lap and then at noon he passes away. And then we just see faith come out in this lady we see such huge faith, she's like, she gets him straight into that room that she built for the man of God, she shuts the door, she goes to her husband and says, give me a donkey, I've got to go to the man of God, I've got to go there and he's like, it's not the Sabbath, she's like, don't care, give me the donkey and she finds the man of God and uh, I'm getting dry mouth here, this is a big story but it's, it's really crucial and she finds him and, and he goes, hey is that that Shunammite woman? can you go meet her? He says that to Gehazi, what's going on here? And she's like, hey, she's in bitter distress. She falls at his knees. And then Gehazi, the servant, goes to like security guard and tackle her out of the way. Hey, this is a man of God. And, And he's like, chill out. She's in bitter distress. What's going on? She's like, that gift you gave me, that miracle is dead. You promised me that miracle and it's over. And then, and then Elisha says, hey Gehazi, take my staff, place it on the boy's face, we're on our way. Uh, the staff doesn't fix him, he's still dead. And then Elisha gets into that upper room and this is where it gets creepy. He lays on the boy, hand to hand, face to face, breathes into him. And then that says that the boy starts to warm up and life starts to come back. And then it ends with this, he says, get that Shunammite woman in this room, pick up your son and take him. Let's pray. Father, we lift up your name this morning. God, we pray for revelation in every heart. We pray this morning, God, that we don't leave the same. God, that you continue to move us forward, that we can be effective in our life, that we can reach people in our community. God, I pray uh, right now in this opportunity, I pray for resurrection over one particular football team, your team, the mighty blue and gold Parramatta Eels. God, I pray like you raised Jesus from the dead, you raised this team back to a premiership winning team. And everyone with faith said amen. (laughs) You've got to. Has anyone, um, you know those times in life where where there's something you really want in life but, but you're like, I just don't have time for that or I don't have room for that right now. Um, and you're like, I'd love to own it but I can't right now. But then when you do get it, you can't do life without it. So when you've got it, you're like, hey, I'll never do life without that again. Um, I've had a few of those moments. One of those is the Dyson Powerball DC25. You see, we've got a little fox terrier who sheds hair everywhere. And I had an $80 vacuum cleaner from from Kmart, and I'll be on my rug for 20 minutes doing these ones, getting the dog hair off, introducing to my life the Powerball Dyson DC25. This thing's amazing. Amazing. I turned it on for the first time and I'm like, hallelujah. But then I didn't realise the extra function. This thing's got a power head. This thing has like 100 bristles that turn at 1,000 RPM. They almost rip the carpet up. And it puts those little lines in the carpet. I run over the rug once and it picks up the hair. And it's one of those things. I'm, I'm done, Sam. Thanks, man. It's one of those things in my life that I'll never do without a Powerball DC-25 ever again. When that thing dies, we're finding the cash and we're getting another one. <laughs> I've got another thing in my life as well that, that I can't do without. Oh, and by the way, if you buy a Powerball DC-25 today, you'll also get Dyson uh, Magic Mop as well, free of charge. <laughs> another thing, I, I, for those who don't know, I'm a dental hygiene guy. I take it really seriously. I pride myself on dental hygiene. It's weird, but it's my deal. I floss every day. I can't remember the last time I didn't go to bed without brushing my teeth. I just can't do it. Even if I'm really tired, I've got to do just even a rush job, you know what I mean? I ain't waking up to fluffy teeth. Anyway, I'm that guy, and because I'm in the military, I have an annual checkup of my dental um, situation, and and I pride myself on that appointment. Like, every year I go in, and it's like I'm on the same level as the dentist. Every year I go in, and they're like, do you floss every day? Yep. How many times do you brush? Three, minimum. And, ju- and they just have this grunt of satisfaction. They're like, hmm <laughs> They're like, mmm, they're like, yeah. They're like, you're a patient I want to see. And I just have such satisfaction out of that. Like, I'm like, Dog fist bump it, because we're on the same level, I'm almost a dentist, like he would almost make me a dentist just because of my experience of dental hygiene, don't worry about the master's degree, don't worry about that, just put the DR in front of my name, it's all I need. Anyway, this year, for those who don't know, it's time for me to say goodbye to the RAF, I'm moving on, I'm not growing a beard, I tried that, I hate it, Um, I'm going to stay clean shaven, it's been grilled into me. But anyway, I have this appointment, and I'm I'm laying in the chair, and I'm just waiting for my compliments, and um, and I'm like, here it comes, like just lather it on me, like it's 12 months of hard work right here. I want it. I want my reward. All right. And and the doctor's like concerned, and I'm I'm like, uh, this isn't this isn't normal, and uh, and he goes, uh, he goes you, you've been you've been pretty busy lately, and I'm like, well, yeah. What's, what's of that and he's like well I just I just noticed a little bit of area you've been missing and I'm like what did you just say to me doc and he's like there's a there's a little area like back here you've been missing there's a bit of plaque build-up notice how your gums a bit sore there and I'm like I was just like I just went into depression like I I was I was beyond myself and I said doctor this can't be true and, and he said I'm going to refer you to the hygienist and for me that is just that is a kick in the guts. I had to book an appointment with Pastor Dave. You've got to see me now. And he's like, I've got meetings. And I'm like, clear them. I need you for the afternoon. We've got to go through this. I don't know if I can, if I can get through here. I've got an appointment with a hygienist. <laughs> and, and I sit down, the hygienist, she starts to tell me how to brush my teeth. And I'm like, I'm like, can I stop you right there? I don't need to hear this. Like, I had a bad week. All right, and, and, and you know, that judgment came over me, and she goes, what kind of toothbrush are you using? I'm like, an electric, and she goes, what electric? And I said, you know, the Woolies one that you get on special for 30 bucks? She's like, uh-uh, that's got to go, and I went, "Oh and, and it, but it's good because it brought me up to a new level of dental hygiene. She goes, you've got to cut that out. You've got to get to the shaver shop. They've got specials on the Braun Genius 9000, this baby right here, and you know it's good because it's got the grip. You know what I mean? It just fits so good in your hand. I love it so much. And then once I got this, it's like, you turn this sucker on and this would power a light aircraft. This is amazing. You put this in your mouth and the plaque just flees. It just hears the rotations and it's like, <laughs> I ain't got time for this. I'm out. And so this has changed my life to the point where if I lose my brawn or it stops working my brawn genius 9000, I've got to get another one. We've got to do whatever it takes. We've got to go to pinch fund. Uh, I've got to re-borrow, refinance on, on the mortgage when I have one. Like, we've got to get a Braun Genius 9000, and I've got to show you this. Okay, I'm just going into my app. It has an app. It's Bluetooth. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this thing, this thing tells me if I miss a spot. That, that's what it does. And, and not only that, but it changes colour. Look at this, look at this. I'm on purple right now, but hey, if I'm not feeling purple one week, I go straight to orange, <laughs> straight to yellow. Oh, here we go. This is a beautiful one, green. But sometimes that's a bit bright for me, so I go to aqua. That's a little bit softer there. Uh, purple's beautiful. And then, and then when I'm feeling really happy, I go pink, you know. And the experience is just brought to life. So I tell you what, I, I love the shunamite woman because it says that she's a well-to-do woman, but she realises that there's something she needs in her life that's one of those things that she knows she can't do life without ever again. She has a genius 9,000 experience. She sees the presence of God walk past, and she's like, I've got to get that into my life. That is something I need, something I need to make room for. And so I love this because I get to preach about um, making room. And the good thing is, with this Shunammite woman she doesn't just find room for the presence of God, she makes room for the presence of God. In October, we are renovating this venue and we're not, we're not just finding room to fit more people because we believe in our city, we are going to reach this city. We're an army called Good Life and we're going to reach this city because there's too many people in this city who do not know Jesus and who are not living their best life. And the thing is, it's not about a venue change and then we just sit back and let the venue do the work. It's about us making room also in our life. It's about us, it's, it's, it's when we realise that it's not something we would love to have, it's a luxury to be able to make room for more people, but my life's so full. It's uh, we need to make room. We need to be intentional and we need to do whatever it takes to make room in our life for God and for us to reach other people for God because that's what we're called to do um and and that's so cool because this woman here's the challenge you're like if you're like me you're like how can I possibly make more room I, I ain't got no more room in my life with the kids with the swimming lessons with the school with the homework with the sporting uh with my ministry team with my family with my work with my income with my second job with my uni like, I, there ain't no more room but I tell you what that's where we get ruthless and we make room like this, Shunamite woman did. Um, my good friend Jack O'Brien here—he—he he just dropped a little bombshell on me the other week. Uh, because I love having a solid budget that balances—that's my deal now. I don't know what I did with—with with my life without that. And he's like, you know how you budget your your finance? He goes, I budget my time. I balance my time. Every amount of my time is allocated. And I'm like, ah, oh, that man is successful for a reason. I'm going to get more Jack O'Brien time into my life. And um, I love this because in 2 Kings 4, 8 it says this. It says, one day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came, whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. I'll tell you what, the first time I tried a meal from my wife, I'm like, I'm coming back. <laughs> I found Mrs. Ward just for, from, from having her milk. People are like, I want to have meals with the wards, I want to have dinner with them because I've heard about Laura's cooking. I get it every day of my life. I am super blessed. I grew up on a dairy farm, mum and dad used to scrap together just meat and veg, it was so boring. I didn't know any different but now I do. I've tasted the fruit and I thought, I've got to have this every day of my life and um, it's, it's good. But anyway, it. We learn how to make room in our life from the Shunammite woman's example because she was, she was ruthless and, uh, and, and what it is, what we see is that she is very intentional about what she feeds. So you see, for us to make room in our life, we need to examine what we're feeding in our life. Are we feeding things in our life that we don't want to return because it says what we feed returns? what we see is that what we feed in our life will come back and so we need to examine our life and think, well, what am I feeding and do I really want it to come back? Because let's be a people who feed things that come back and things that are going to make us a better people and things that are going to make us move forward. The Shunammite woman sees that, hey, here's the presence of God, I'm going to feed it because I want more of it in my life and so uh, I think that's a big thing for us to make room, let's examine, hey, what am I feeding Am I feeding things like uh, too much social media, too much screen time? I don't want that to come back. Am I feeding certain relationships that are coming back and bringing me down? Let's examine, let's be ruthless, let's make cuts. In October, we are doing a spring clean in this venue, but let's also spring clean our life. Let's declutter. It's a redefining of who we are because we want to be purposeful people. We want to make a difference on this planet. What are you feeding in your life? I want you to turn to your neighbour and say, I'm making room. And then turn to the neighbour that you don't usually pick next, you know what I mean? The one that didn't get first choice and say, I'm making room. (laughs) Love the awkwardness, love those awkward moments. Come on church, there's power when we see a God opportunity and we feed it. Whether that's an early start in the morning, setting that alarm clock a bit earlier and saying, hey, this is for you, God. I'm making room. I'm not finding room. I'm making it. Whether that's connect group, hey, here's a moment to press into God and know Him more. I'm making room for that. Whatever it takes. Lunchtime walk with the headphones on. In 2 Kings 4, 9 to to 10, it says this. uh, And it'll be on the screen if you do need it. It says that, she said to her husband... I know this, this man who often comes our way, is a holy man of God, let's make a small room on the roof and put, it, uh, put in it a bed, a table, a chair and a lamp for him, then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. I love that so much because um, we, look, let's be honest with ourselves, we are so good at building mansions and having so many rooms in our life that are so full and then when it comes to God we think, hey, I'm just going to clear a corner or a shelf for God. We are good at that. This Shunammite woman, she, she doesn't go to a, rooms that are already full and just try and clear a corner. She's intentional. She says, uh-uh, I'm making a room. I'm building a room. I'm not going to just clear a corner because that's putting God secondary and all the stuff in our life primary because, look, if, if we don't make room, if we're not intentional... The things that scream at us for our attention will take precedence. They will be primary in our life, and that's just the way it is. We'll have good intentions to make room for God, but hey, if we're just clearing a corner, it'll just get filled up again. This Shunammite woman, she makes room, and she fills it with things for God, and she does not allow any storage, any junk, any dust. This is a holy room. It is so powerful when we make room for God. Here's the deal. At, at Good Life Church, we're a people that we give up things we love for things we love more. And for us, that is being effective on this planet. And we believe that God has a purpose for your life. And we believe that God wants you to make a difference, not just exist. And so to do that, that's why we encourage you as an army, as individuals, but also corporate, let's make room. And let's turn this city upside down. We're going to reach this city. It's going to happen. It's not a Maybe. Newcastle Church is gonna know Newcastle City's gonna know Good Life Church, I tell you that. I love this because she builds a whole new room and she says it's an upper room, and it's a room that's above every other room. It's not a lean to, it's not a shade sale, it's not a little bunning shed that you put together to put the lawnmower in. It's a room an upper room that they build and it is over every other room. So for us to make room for God, we need a room that comes before every room, that when we build this room, that is precedence, that is our priority and that becomes our new 100% and everything else comes in after that, just like budgeting our finances. Can I hear an amen? That's what we do for God, that's how we make room for Him. You know, when I was a young guy, I struggled with porn addiction and there were points in my life where I didn't think I'd ever beat it and there were so many opportunities to become a victim because my workmates and, and the people I grew up with normalised porn like it was just a normal thing. They talk, joke about it, they share it. Um, it, was just, it was just in my fabric of my life. It's just what I did. It was my go-to and I couldn't break it. Then comes God in my life and I felt convicted. I'm like, hey, I'm going to beat this. But for the first couple of years, I couldn't. And it was a cycle that I couldn't beat. And I just remember saying saying to God, I can't beat this, this is impossible, this keeps getting me, I can't beat this. But I want to tell you right now, for those who are struggling in any addiction, you will beat it, it is beatable, but here's what I found is that when I stopped feeding it, it stopped returning. And then if I had a slip up, I just stopped feeding it again. And it just got stronger and stronger. And so, whenever I meet with young guys who are like, "Hey, I'm struggling in this area," I'm like, "Hey, you got to put distance between that and you. You got to stop feeding that thing. It will stop. Re- it will stop returning. And then when we, when it stops returning, we now have more room for God. When it stops returning, we now have room that that field. We now fill that with things that make us a better a better person. Makes us more effective. When we feed the presence of God, it returns." And then when we make room for the presence of God, miracles start to happen. I don't know about you, but I want to live a life that has miracles. I want to live a life that stands out. I got saved at 21, and I was so gun ho I got on the phone to my dad, and I just start, like, I'm like, this is such good news, he's got to hear it. And I just, I just banged on about my experience with God, and he's just like, okay what's going on here, he just thought it was another fad. Um, But what I find is just living a life where the presence of God is so evident, is so powerful. We do that when we make room for God, miracles happen from that room. See, we get so caught up in working hard and we can work hard, working hard's great but if we only work hard that doesn't bring miracles, having room for God brings miracles. Two Kings uh four in you know, verse eleven it says this it says that one day when Elisha came he went up to his room and lay down there. And he said to his servant Gehazi, he said, Call the Shunammite. Uh I really wish they put a name in there, you know what I mean? Like Shunammite woman. It's just odd, isn't it? Anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, so that's that's a, a sermon for another day. So he called her and he said to he's he, She stood before him, and Elisha said to him, Hey, tell her you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now, what can we do for you? What can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or commander of the army? And she replied, I have a home among my people. Uh, and he said, Well, what can be done for her? Elisha asks again he pressed the matter, Gehazi said, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her again, she stood in the doorway and this time next year, he said to her, he said this, this time next year you will hold a son in your arms. Which leads to my next point, number three. What, the Shunammite woman was very intentional about what she believed for. For her to make room for God, she's intentional about what she's believing for. It's so much more than just working hard because we can work hard and hard and hard but there's no miracles come from that. It's when we make room for God in our life. We can get so caught up with hard work and just forget God in our schedule and who knows that is just a recipe for burnout. When we're intentional about making room for God, miracles happen in our life. What are you believing for? What miracle are you going to be holding in your arms this time next year? I don't know about you, but let's let's live a life, I want to live a life that makes room for God. I want to live a life that's living smarter, not harder. Because godly principles work. And when we bring them into our life, it it makes a difference. It works. I love this because uh, as a church, we're making room. We're making room for us and we're making room to reach our city. In 2 Kings, on, on chapter 18, sorry, verse 18, it says this. It says, The child grew and one day he went out to his father who was with the reapers and he said to his father, my head, my head. And his father told a servant, carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door and went out. I love this because my next point, it's, it's the Shunammite was very intentional with how she used the room. I know there's people in here today and you're like, I know how that feels, where, where the promise of God or the dream that God has brought in your life has been snuffed out and it's over. And you're like, what do I do now? I've actually carried out this, this biblical principle of feeding the presence of God, of making room for Him. A miracle has come, which is amazing, but it's over. I know there's people in here today who have experienced that, they know how the Shunammite lady feels. And the temptation in that moment is to put a lock on that door and board it up and say, hey, I tried the God thing and it didn't work for me, I'm taking control of my life. But what we read there is this Shunammite woman she actually uses the room for its potential, she doesn't board the room up, she doesn't shut it down, she doesn't use the room for long-term storage to gather dust on boxes and old clothes but she opens the door and she puts her dead miracle on that bed and she shuts the door. What dead dream do you have right now that you need to lay in that room for a miracle from God? What is, it, what is it that you're dreaming or hoping for or that God has delivered and you're like, hey, it's, it's over? I tell you right now that if you're breathing on this planet right here and God has promised you something and, and a miracle, it is not over. It is never over. We just need to activate that room of God because that's where the miracles come. And we need to take it in and we need to lay it on that bed and shut the door as if to say, hey, this is a God problem. I'm giving it to you. You promised me this. I've fed the presence of God, I've made room for you, you've brought this miracle, I'm now putting it back in that room and I believe that you're going to come through. Can you imagine what this Shunammite lady would have felt right there? She finally had a son and it's over. I tell you what, that is a powerful thing. I believe God wants to restore someone here today, I believe He wants to restore Dream right here today. I believe God wants to restore a miracle right here today. Let's be a people that believes for the absolute best from God. I love it what, I, I love it what, what Asingale said when they were on platform the other day, they were talking about the miracle God brought in, in Gail's life when she's completely miraculously healed of cancer and he said, you know what, we prayed and we believed for the best. I love that, that just, that woke me up. Let's be a people that believes that God will bring the miracle And then he'll bring it back to life again. I love that. She takes it to the room of God because that's what it's designed for. If I can have the keys, that'd be great. The Shunammite woman, she realized that this is the room where the miracles come from. She realized that no matter what, whatever she's believing for, it belongs in that room it's not going to come from her efforts, it's going to come from that room. I I tell you what, when we get a revelation of this pattern, where we see an opportunity for the presence of God, we feed it, then when it returns to us and we continue to become closer and closer to God, let's make sure that we're intentional about making room for Him and then you watch the miracles come over your life. And, And these miracles will not only change your life but they'll impact the city because the people around you will see that God is in your life they'll see the change they'll see the difference I want to share with you a little testimony here I've shared it on platform before but I love this because the Shunammite lady realised that hey she was well to do she was a well to do woman she had everything they worked hard her husband's out in the field reaping but she's like there's something I need in my life that's a genius 9,000 moment something in her life that she can't do without again and I love the process she took to get it. It is a biblical truth, and if we adopt it, it's going to change us forever. A few weeks ago, my granny came to visit, and um, she's one of my favourite humans. She's amazing. She's um, she's a lady that was praying for me my whole life. I got saved at 21, and I was one of those people that she never would have believed her prayers would come true. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was a lost cause. And it just tells me that we're a church that is believing for our city. We're a church that wants this to be a home for everyone. And when people come in this door, we need to realise there's a story behind them. There's someone who's been praying for 20 years. Their journey has been huge and when they come in here, let's be a home. And my granny came in and she was so blown away that we weren't about just putting on a service. We weren't about our own agenda. We weren't about our own jobs and duties. She was in here early. She was blown away by the, the, the hospitality. She was blown away that we brought her in and she was our family. Within the first two minutes, she felt like she was our family. B got her a hot chocolate. Mary sat with her and had a chat and then got her another hot chocolate. And then we reserved a seat for her. We just made her feel so welcome. And that's who we are as Good Life Church. We are a home for people who need a home. And I love this lady because she's been through so much and um, and she's such an inspiration for me. You see, in, in 2015, she lost her daughter and granddaughter in one flash at Valor, uh, mid-north coast. There was a car accident. My, my little cousin was driving, an ambulance going 115 k's an hour in the 60s, zone, cleaned them up, instantly took their life. And so my granny goes from being a grandmother back to being a mother all over again at 75 years of age she loses a daughter she loses a granddaughter and so so luckily her other granddaughter decided not to get in that car that day but she became a mum again and she told me that what got her through was she had made room for God in her life there's nothing but God that got her through that not many people bounce back from something like that She had an opportunity to board that room up and to put a lock on it and to let it gather dust and to say, hey, I tried God and it didn't work. But she actually used that room for its potential and she gained strength. God pulled her through in that time and and the thing is, not only did she pull through, but she reached people at the same time. You see, that Ambo driver was in the wrong and she had a life of hell ahead of her because she got dragged over the coal. She's in court, she's in trouble. And my granny, we, she gathered the family and we became family for that lady who didn't have a family, who was in desperate need. She's going to lose her job, her life is over. She's the one who actually locked eyes with my cousin just before her life was over. So not only did she have to deal with that trauma, but she had to deal with the trauma that she's probably going to lose a job and she killed two people. But on that day, when she had to face court, my granny's there with my family, arms around her, leading her into that courtroom. And you see the, the reporters are there, they're trying to get a good scoop, they're trying to say, hey, you've got to be angry with this woman, right? She's in the wrong, she took your daughter and your granddaughter, give us the scoop and... All they got was my granny's there for this lady. She's now our family. You see, when we have a room that is designated for God, that's where our strength is. That's where our miracle comes. That's where we change this city. Let's be a church that changes the world together. You see, in October, it's not just a spring clean. It's not just a venue change. We're spring cleaning ourselves, personally. We're reshaping our life. We're going to stop feeding the things that we don't want to actually come back. We're going to cut it. We're going to redefine ourselves as people of God, men and women of God who are effective in their world. That's what this is all about. How can we make room for more of God in our life? How can we make room for more of our city? I believe that we're going to become a church where, where, where people cannot help but talk about Good Life Church in every arena, in every aspect. We've got a city that needs God. Let's be a church that makes a difference. Let's be a church that is intentional about people locking onto their purpose and thriving in that.